This is Friday, October 8th, and we're picking up where we left off yesterday looking at circumcision. What do you most take pride in? Is it an achievement? Or perhaps the level of success you've reached in your career? Is it how good a person you've been across the scope of your life? Now, as I was getting to know a new friend some years ago, he explained to me that when he was growing up, his parents instilled in him the idea that they, their family, was different from all other families. His parents went to great lengths to teach their children that they did life differently than everyone else. They were distinctive. They were better. And this refrain echoed through his childhood all the way into adulthood with him. This sense of superiority, it was deeply instilled, ingrained in him and his siblings. Now, as you might imagine, this belief had a huge effect in all of his relationships, his marriage, and his friendships all those years later. Now, here's our text for today. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. Now, this idea of circumcision that we looked at yesterday was deeply woven into the way the Jewish people looked at themselves and the world. It's true they were a chosen people. God called them to become priests for the world, to carry his word, to show forth his character. But among the Jewish people, there was a deep and all-consuming pride that accompanied their calling. The sign of this status was circumcision. Now it's true that the Lord had commanded Abraham to circumcise himself, and also Isaac his son, and then the generations after were to follow suit. This mark would be carried forward through the generations as the mark of identification for the chosen people of God. But their status, well, that had nothing to do with them, because remember, God chose them. But instead, it became a source of national and personal pride for the Jewish people. They viewed everyone else as uncircumcised. That meant unwashed and dirty. They drew strict lines between themselves and everybody else. The clean and the unclean. God's people and the people who were outside the camp. Again, circumcision was the sign, the status sign for them. So even when the gospel went out into the world, the Jewish people, even those that became believers in Jesus, had difficulty in walking away from the pride they had in their position, in their circumcision. And two things resulted. First, after coming to faith, they were tempted to return to the keeping of the law as the measure of their life in God. Grace was difficult for them to appropriate given the pride they held in their status as circumcised people of God. This became a problem at the church in Colossae. The new believers were told that it was good to believe in Jesus, 
But the real purpose of the gospel was to improve their ability to keep God's law. Life was all about the law, and not so much about Jesus. This is why we hear Paul at this point talking about a circumcision not done with human hands, a real cleansing that is done by Jesus when we are identified with Jesus in baptism. Now here's the second problem. The second problem was that the Jewish believers often pressured the new Gentile believers to become circumcised too. This was the scandal that hurt the ch- hit the church in Galatia. During this time, they were being told that Jesus was not enough. And though the people had started their faith with Christ, they needed to add something to the gospel. And Paul tells them that if they add anything to the gospel, then it's no longer the gospel at all. I want to go back to my friend. He told me about the pride that he was taught when he was growing up. Because as an adult, he learned that it it really was not true. He really was no different, nor was his family different in a significant way from others. But the pride in this created in him a, a, a change in his relationships. And it also hurt him. Now, he wanted me to know this because he wanted me to help him be on the alert for any actions on his part that came from this misbelief. He wanted real friendship. Now, as I think about that, Paul is trying to keep the church focused on Jesus. Jesus is the source of the fullness of our new life in God. I need to return to those first questions that we started with. What do you both take take pride in? What about you most commends you? It may be the very thing that keeps you from seeing how much you need Jesus. This may be what stands in the way of you enjoying the grace of God and also entering fully into community with others. Now to live by this is what it means to live in the flesh, to live based on our performance rather than based on God's grace and the love of Jesus. Paul says that the person in in the flesh, the person that has built his or her own own pride story, has now died with Christ and been raised to new life, raised from the dead. And his encouragement is to plumb the depths of Christ, to enjoy the fullness of God's grace, and to enjoy the benefits of all that Jesus has done for us, and of course, to be thankful The question as we end this week is, do we see that? Do we see that our hope isn't in anything we've done? It's not a heritage that we have inherited, but it's found in the grace of Jesus. The fact that we were buried with him in baptism and raised with him through faith in the work of God. Let's pray together. Oh Lord God, we come to you as people that are desperate to matter We want our lives to matter, and we want to matter to you. Show us today that our lives are all of grace. The fact that we live and breathe, it's a gift from your hand. And that Christ has given us a place in your family, we know that it's all of grace. Fill us with gratitude today for your goodness. For we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.